a most original and creative talent in our business. Would you welcome Mr. Orson Welles? Ladies and gentlemen, Orson Welles again, come to call for another visit. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. Belly, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benning speaking. Welcome to another episode of Orson Welles. This is the Orson Welles Commentaries. And this is his episode that's right before Christmas of 1945. He does mention Christmas in here. This story is a Mexican story that uh, is interesting, and I think you'll enjoy it. And it's just kind of an interesting, different, um, what, Christmas episode. And so I just think uh, all these episodes of Worsen aren't so interesting. So without further ado, here it is. Enjoy. This is Orson Welles speaking from Mexico City in the Republic of Mexico. Not far from this microphone, not long ago, archaeologists digging in the subsoil of the Plaza Mayor unearthed the Aztec calendar stone, the Piedra del Sol, the stone of the sun. On its face are carved the punctuations of forgotten history, stone figures marking the months of the year, a pagan year overthrown many a Christian year ago by the men in metal who rode their horses up from the beaches of Veracruz through the jungles, up the mountains, and into the great valley of Mexico, bearing the cross of their Lord in heaven and the sword of their king in Spain. I went yesterday to look at the stone of the sun. It filled me with wonder, but of that numb and giant stillness which is the Indian past, it told me nothing. By way of contrast, the calendar stone comes to mind today because in front of me in this room in Mexico City, where I'm broadcasting, is another calendar. This one published by the Yankee firm of Brown and Biglow, and this calendar fills me with homesickness and tells me the tremendous fact that the day after tomorrow is Christmas. It looks exactly like Christmas here in Mexico, and for the Mexicans, it is Christmas. But for this gringo, it's a long, long way from home. Christmas, they say, is something you keep in your heart. Well, I know a lonely American in a hotel room here in Mexico City who's doing just that, and I'd like you to hear his story. It's a sort of ghost story. You don't have to believe it unless you want to. I send it on to you from Mexico with the season's greetings. We'll get to it in just a minute, but first a word from my sponsors. Today, Lear Incorporated, maker of Lear Radios, wishes its friends and listeners the happiest of holidays, the merriest of Christmases, and a most prosperous New Year. Christmas especially is a time of music and gaiety, a time when good music and good friendship combine to celebrate the season dedicated to peace on earth and goodwill to men. Lear is happy that this company is in the business of developing and making instruments to bring the finest music and entertainment to America's homes. And now, Luis Farias, speaking from Mexico for Lear. After almost 16 years of building highly professional aircraft radios, Lear is using its knowledge and unusual manufacturing resources to make specially fine radios for your home. These radios have features you have never seen in radios before. 
Features like the Lear wire recorder and the super convenient remote tuning control, which lets you select any station anywhere on the dial from your easy chair across the room. Such features as these make Lear radios unique, but they are far from all. Most important is the sound, solid goodness that makes listening to a Lear radio a never-ending delight. When you set out to select a new radio, be sure you see and hear the Lear, L-E-A-R. And now, back to Orson Welles. I was sitting in the bar of the Reforma Hotel here in Mexico City, thinking about home and a number of things, when I noticed him. He was sitting alone, like myself, and we got to talking, as fellow countrymen will in foreign lands. He was a traveling salesman, name of Stone, Martin Stone. A big man, and his mouth has a place in it for a cigar, but the cigar wasn't there. He introduced himself, and I gave him a drink, and he told me this story. I'll pass it on to you, just as I heard it, in his words, and with his voice, as nearly as I can remember them. Yes, sir, Stone is my name. I'm a representative of an export house with branches all over South and Central America. But I don't want to talk about myself. I want to talk about him. Who was he? Don't ask me. Just let me tell you what happened. Well, it started about a week ago down in Argentina. I had everything arranged, eight days to finish up my business in South America and get back home in time for Christmas. Reservations on Pan American right through to New York City. But when I got to the airport, the clerk had a surprise for me. We didn't think you were coming, Mr. Stone, he said. Someone who's got to get to Rio de Janeiro by tonight, well, we gave him your seat. He's going to have to have Christmas with his family, and he's only nine years old, and if he doesn't get on this plane, he'll lose an entire day. Well, that's the way the clerk gave it to me. Well, naturally, I hated to upset the youngster's plans, but after all, I've got a little fellow of my own whose heart would just about break if his daddy didn't come back home for Christmas, so I told the clerk I was sorry and all that, but he'd just have to take the little boy and his luggage off the plane. Just about then, I noticed him. Not the little boy. The man. The man I want to tell you about. He was looking at me in a funny way. It made me uncomfortable. And I, I told this man I was sorry about the little boy, but he, he just went on looking at me, and I asked him what his name was, and he told me it was Senor. Senor what, I asked him. Just Senor, he told me. Up in your country, it's Mr. Well, I, I couldn't say exactly what he looked like. He, he wasn't young, but he wasn't old either. His voice was kind of soft, like a soft breeze. The kind of voice that makes you think of your own voice, like you were talking too loud or too hard. Now, I asked him if he was in business, and he said, yes, after a fashion... What's your line? I asked him. And he said, I'm afraid my line is not so popular. That was the first time I met him. The first time. I wished him a Merry Christmas and left him standing there in the airport. Got into Rio that afternoon, took a cab to the hotel. I was just checking in at the Copa when I saw him again. Oh, yes, he was standing there. The senor. Standing there in the lobby with a smile on his face as though, as though he'd been waiting for me. Expecting me. You had a pleasant trip, I hope. He asked me. Look, I said, how'd you get here ahead of me? There's only one plane. You weren't on it. But he didn't pay any attention to that question. He just looked at me and said he had a surprise for me. You will probably be lonely here in the hotel tonight. He said, so if you'd like, we are to be guests at a Brazilian home. Now, put yourself in my place. I'm not superstitious or anything, but... 
He got around a little too much and too quick. What was he selling? Competition, maybe. Why do you want to take me to that Brazilian home? What would I do in a Brazilian home? But before I knew it, we were there. It was a nice place, and the, the Brazilian people were very nice. And at dinner, I noticed that one chair at the table stood empty. I figured somebody in the family was dead, and they'd set the place out of sentiment. On our way back to the hotel, I asked the senor about it, and he just looked at me again. The empty chair was for the youngest son, he told me. They are very attached to him. He could not be here because the plane was full yesterday in Buenos Aires. The senor stood there for a second, his white face poking a hole in the night, and then he was gone. What could I do? There are a lot of kids in the world. The plane left at sunrise. I got into Berlin on time and spent the night at the airport drinking coffee. I never spent a longer night in my life. We arrived here in Mexico City this morning. Here it was three days before Christmas, and the holidays had been on already for a week. You know, they call it the, the Posadas in Mexico. Posadas. That means an inn, a kind of a lodging house, a shelter. Well, anyway, tonight I went to dinner. I found a side street restaurant, picked a table in the corner, and sat down. And a, a fat man, a Mexican, was standing on a chair talking to everybody. He wasn't speaking English, but here's what he said. Tonight, senores and senores, we will be actors again. We will make again the Christmas play. You, Diaz, you, Pablo, you, Fernando, you and you. You will be the holy pilgrims. You and your families. And then all the Mexicans in the restaurant applauded and cheered. That's the posadas. It's a regular custom, like Christmas carols. Only it's a play, and they act it out every day for nine days all over Mexico. And this fat man was still talking. We will need a very bad man now, this fat man said. Bad enough to play the cruel, hard innkeeper. I am such a one, but I am not bad enough. Who shall it be? And then I noticed him again, the senor. He'd come up to the fat man and was speaking quietly. I'd like very much to play this part, he said. It was him, all right. There he stood beside the fat man and smiled at me through the smoke. He chased me all the way across South America. And now the Mexicans started marching around with their lighted candles singing in that funny way of theirs, and they started knocking at the door of the inn, acting out that part of it, the important part. We have come from Nazareth, said one of the Mexicans. Give us shelter in the name of mercy. My wife is great with child. And then the senor, who was acting the part of the innkeeper, said... This is a place of business, not of mercy. The inn is full. There is no room for you. I wish I could do something for you, but I can't. After all, there are other innkeepers. Then the Mexican interrupted him and said, Please, for my wife's sake, for Mary and her child-to-be. And the senor shouted him down. Is she the only woman, he said, the only woman who will give birth to a child? Then I heard someone praying. A girl. She said, Oh, God who in the coming to save us did not disdain an humble stable. Grant that we may never close our hearts when thou art knocking, so that we may be received into thy night when our own hour comes. And the play was over. I heard the fat man telling the senor he was a wonderful actor. Your words, he said, were so real, so terrible. It made a goose walk over my grave. You make a very good innkeeper, senor. And I remember what the senor answered him. I remember it as long as I live. He spoke very quietly. I once kept an inn, he said. I ran out of the restaurant, of course. He was waiting for me in the hotel room, sitting there in the darkness, my hotel room by the window. As I opened the door, 
Christmas, senor. Wish me a Merry Christmas. What do you want, I asked him. You can't blame me. I had a right to that seat in the plane. What else could I do? What would anybody else have done? I got to think of myself, too. Is that wrong? My own kids. I'm only human. He was still looking at me. So was I once, he told me. Merry Christmas, Mr. Stone. Then he wasn't there anymore. I don't know where he went to. I don't know where he came from. I don't want you to believe that he made a different man out of me. He didn't. Oh, I'll write out a bigger check for my charities this year, more than I can afford. But the senor thinks all my money is less than I can afford. We admit we ought to do more, but we can't give everything. There's got to be a limit. Is there anybody on earth who doesn't set a limit to what he pays for? The innkeeper 2,000 years ago set a limit when he sent Mary away from the door. I set a limit when I didn't give my place to that kid who wanted to be home for Christmas. I wanted to know why somebody else didn't give up their place on the plane. But that isn't any argument. It's like saying somebody else will feed the poor. The innkeeper said there were other inns and drove off the mother of God. You know, an awful lot of people believe Jesus was God himself. Well, if he was, he came into the world as a man so all men would see how terrible it is not to give shelter to all men. If he was God, he walked the earth as a man to show, to show us how much we matter and to remind us that we were made in his image. Generosity? Mine works on a budget, so does yours, but we all celebrate Christmas because on that day, somebody was born who set no limit to generosity, who gave everything, even his life. If I ever forget that, I'll remember what my friend would say. He'd just look at me and say, Merry Christmas. Well, that's the end of the story I heard yesterday in a bar here in Mexico City. I sent it on to you with a season's greetings. And now your attention, please, for an interesting announcement. Way back in 1930, Lear began making radios. Radios for airplanes. Now, Lear is making home radios as well. And what radios they are. A whole line of handsome sets you'll delight to look at and listen to. Some have television... Some include high-fidelity, static-free FM. There are models with record players and automatic record changers. And some will have the new Lear wire recording. You'll find Lear radios are not high in price. The finest, a console combination with television and the best of everything, is about $500. At the other end of the line is a capable, good-to-look-at table model for about $19.95. Now, back to Orson Welles, whose views and opinions are his own and are not necessarily the views of Lear Incorporated. It's time now to say goodbye for this week, but before I go, let me wish all of you back home in the States everything possible that's good for your holidays. To all of you, and you too, Mama, a very Merry Christmas. Until New Year's then, speaking for my sponsors, the makers of Lear Radios and myself, I remain, as always, obediently yours. This is... ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. <laughs>